1: This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of the critically acclaimed book, Fall of the Boston Celtics, which you can still download for free by logging on to slash LHR book. Welcome on into another edition of Celtics Beat being brought to you today by our sponsors, the home of online video tutorials, Lynda.com and Audible. Audible is the leading source of audiobooks online with over 180,000 downloadable titles to choose from. And because of your listenership, Audible is offering your first audiobook on them by simply logging on to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Today is Sunday, October, October, October 4th. I am Larry H. Russell and this is Celtics Beat On CLNS Radio, presented by Linda and Audible. Thank you for downloading yet another show. Mini milestone show number 125. Special show means a special guest, the one, the only Bob Ryan. If it's possible to be a legendary sports reporter, he would be the one. In the words of Tony Kornheiser, the quintessential American sports writer, the praise is endless and well-deserved. But Bob is back, returning to Celtics Beat once again. First show for us for October... We'll have basketball games officially this month. End of the month, October 28th, Philadelphia 76ers opening night. How do you get in the building? Well, we'll give you a few ways. One is simple. Buy tickets. Where? Well, one option, TickIQ, tiqi TickIQ is your one-stop shop for all your ticketing needs for not just the Boston Celtics, but for all the locals, concert, shows, and more where you can get to where you want ...for the most efficient prices possible... ...and to get 5% off all TN tickets... ...and Tick IQ certified events... ...enter code CLNS... ...that's CLNS for 5% off... ...upon checkout again... ...TIQIQ.com Now you want to get in the building... ...for free... ...well enter our contest... ...closing in on a week here... ...we will announce next week... ...on the October 11th edition of Celtics Beat... ...you still have time... ...simply enter by subscribing... Rating and reviewing Celtic Speed on iTunes and or Stitcher. I guess you increase your odds if you do both. But and or Stitcher, random drawing, that is it. Winner will be drawn at random and announced on next week's show. Again, simply give us a rating and a review. Let us know what you think of the show. And we will pick a winner to attend opening night against Philly for the donut. But we got games this week. Overseas, across the pond, the team will travel to Italy, play a couple of international squads. First off, will be in Milan. And when we return here for the 11th and announce our winners for the contest, we'll also have some preseason games to digest. Last week on this show, for our audience, for their sake, because I thoroughly adhere to the comments and what they say, I avoided this topic. I know we've gotten feedback on this And obviously, feel free to let us know what you think of the show anytime, anywhere, be it on iTunes reviews or reaching out to me personally, email, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Even if it is critical, we have open ears, open minds here. So we avoided the discussion last week after media day. It was really the only story because it was a story where we put all of our eyes on it. And I guess you know where I'm going. And I'm going to discuss it now, this week, because I personally believe it's all we cared about going into Media Day. It's all what everyone else discussed about after Media Day, in the coming days afterward. And even now, we're a week and a half past the Media Day, and it's still part of the discussion. So, I guess I have to do it. I have to add what I have to say. Jared Solinger and his physical appearance, really, let alone conditioning... Because yes, as we've said, we don't have any games to work with yet, really, just appearance. And we are always told, don't judge a book by its cover. But guess what? I'm going to judge the book by its cover. You know what I think there. What I've said on prior shows, last spring, over the summer, and now the question is this. It really is. What is the question you ask? Well, it's our Facebook question of the week, presented by harrys.com. A jewel of an internet company providing you with smooth and, most importantly, cost-effective shaves. Say goodbye to money going down the drain. and utterly absurd arm and a leg prices for drugstore razor blades. And sign up for an account with Harry's at harrys.com. For a starter's kit, which goes for $10, including a razor, shaving cream, or gel, and a month's worth of braids. For, again, all of 10 bucks. By simply mentioning Celtics upon checkout, that is Celtics at Harrys.com. No questions there, but here is the one: Celtic Speed audience, what is Jared Sullinger's future with the Boston Celtics? Again, Facebook.com/slash/CelticSpeed. That's Facebook.com/slash/CelticSpeed for our Facebook Question of the Week, being presented by Harrys.com. Here's where I stand on this, and I want to bring this up with our guest Bob Ryan a little later in the show. But to me, I think it's time to cut the cord. Be it during this season, if there's an opportunity that presents itself, or just at the end of the season, move on. I'm not going to go all blowhard talk radio hosts on anyone. I avoid that all, at all costs. I think you, our listeners get enough of that with all these other media outlets. It's, and, and Sadly, with the rest of the media, so we try to avoid that here. Uh, but I'm not going to do the old... Jared Sollinger, oh, he's a lazy fat ass. He's made his money and doesn't care about the team card or hurl any pathetic insults. You know, he's got a fatter butt than Kim Kardashian. I just think that it simply comes down to the simple fact of he's not as good as what he believes he will be worth or even worth now, as a matter of fact. He will not obtain that level as his conditioning worsens He could be like one Antoine Walker, where he will actually regress as a player because his body, or anyone's body, any male's body, isn't just that well-oiled machine when he gets past the age of 25, 26, 27, which is where Jared Sullinger will be soon. Basically, not to sound cold-blooded, but his presence, unless by some miracle, and I mean it'll be a miracle, he makes those strides as an individual basketball talent. But his presence at this point is just not necessary to the long-term and present health of the Boston Celtics. It isn't. What he offers to this team is either trivial or negligible. And I've always been of the belief, not just in basketball, not just in business, but in your life, that of which is unnecessary shall always be discarded. And at this point, it's time to throw in the towel here. Just like it was at this time last year with Rajon Rondo. And the interesting thing is Danny Ainge is saying the exact same thing this year as he did last year with Rondo. You know, to paraphrase what he's been saying, I think Jared Solinger is going to have a huge season. Blah, 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 blah. He was saying the same thing on multiple occasions with Rondo last year. Why? Well, he's praising his most discussed-about player. And, of course, too, the media and reporters are smothering him with such questions, with Jared Sollinger questions. The ratio of Jared Sollinger to, say, Tyler Zeller questions, it's a little weighted one way. I think you know which way it is. But he's saying exactly what he did this year with Sollinger as he was last to a T. Fortunately for Range and for the Celtics, I think because of his offseason program, even though it clearly looks like there were minimal results there because of that, and because he has yet to experience the rigors of an extended season, an extended regular season, I've only not only made this prediction earlier this summer. This is a proclamation. Jared Sullinger will get off to a good start in the early stages of, the, of this coming season. He has the talent. We've seen it. We already know he has the talent. I have no doubts. November, December, expect a borderline all-star performance from him because his body is fresh enough. It won't betray him, comma, yet, and he has that talent. You've always seen, I mean, even go back last year. You can go back, game four against Cleveland. Guy essentially comes, he just started playing again after months upon months off, and you can see it. That talent, it's always going to be there. And he's always going to show those flashes of, I don't want to say greatness, that's a little bit of an extreme word, but flashes of being a very, very good basketball player. But his health will never enable him to sustain that long term. So you're always going to see a game here, a game there, even from an out of shape Jared Sollinger, just like last year, where it'll fool want to believe, oh, geez, if he can only do this consistently. Well, his health is going to prevent that. And at the beginning of the season, he will be able to do it more consistently because he, he hasn't been beaten up already from you know the back-to-backs to the traveling or just playing games. Three, three games a week is a lot. But I think on December 15th, you'll see Jared Selinger with a PER around 20 or even north of it. And hopefully for the Celtics' sake, they see that as an opportunity to cash out on him rather than be fooled by it, because trust me, it's going to be downhill from there. It won't last. So the onus could very well be on management now, not on Sollinger. I I just think Sollinger, he is what it is at this point. And we're now in year four. You see that on training camp after hearing as much as we heard all this summer, and, and you see him that day. He is what he is. So now I believe the onus is now more on the management to make the right move. I, for one, even if he does flame out, which would be disappointing in its own right. Yes, he was a late pick in the first round. It's not crippling to the organization like if he were a lottery pick and the team whiffed and the Celtics passed up on all these players. But when he fell due to health and physical reasons, not due to basketball or ability reasons, I know the Celtics organization, we as fans, I think we were all universally excited at that opportunity. And to this day, it was still the right pick. I I thought he got off to a great start. Coming into the league, his rookie season, he showed all of his abilities. He showed that the skills that he had in college as one of the premier college and high school players during his time, he showed that his, those same skills would translate to the NBA. Now it was a matter of adding to his repertoire. And I should bring this up. Obviously, the Celtics made the right trade with that Brooklyn, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce trade. But I wonder if a guy like Jared would have developed a little bit better if he had the right veterans around him, if he saw professionalism from, the Kevin Garnett through his first three and now four years in the league. I'm not saying that definitely would have been the case, but it is food for thought nonetheless. But back to this topic, I think he has in some aspects in terms of adding to his repertoire coming to the league, he's done so. He's increased his range. But really, since day one, it's really been about obtaining a more I don't know, professional, physical stature, if that's the way to describe it, so he could sustain these rigors of the NBA season and not be on the shelf for half of it, and to be able to be more conditioned so he can play longer throughout the games and also, this is what we also haven't discussed, hold his own defensively, which, lest we forget, has been a tremendous detriment to him as a player and to the the Celtics these last three years. Not to sound too harsh, but there have been games when he's been abysmal on the defensive end and he's been taken advantage of. And we forget about that now because the only thing with him is we, as we look at him, it's quote unquote, good player with skill, but doesn't have the commitment. We sort of forget about deficiencies like the defensive end. Of course that correlates back to his conditioning. And I think, and have always mentioned on this show that it is a little more complicated than he's lazy. He doesn't want it. He doesn't work hard. And this is where it all goes back to John Lucas, and everyone's raving about this washout. I hate to you know throw a word like that, but that's how I'm going to describe John Lucas. That's a, I think it's a fair way to describe his career, because all mainly because everyone's praising this guy simply because he ran Solinger's behind into the ground this summer. Like that's really a hard thing to do to be a 60-some year old and just scream at a 20-year-old. Who needs to make millions of dollars and I think anybody could do that. Do little John Lucas or any you know, Jiminy Joe who lives in his mother's basement could be a yeller and a screamer rather than to actually work out themselves. And I read that piece on CSNE.com about Sollinger's training with Lucas and I, I laughed. It's ridiculous. I legitimately laughed. All these goofball activities that Lucas supposedly had Sullinger doing and getting up at six o'clock in the morning What is this, summer camp for 9- to 12-year-olds up in the forests of Maine? Or are we talking about developing a basketball talent here who a franchise has invested millions of dollars in? Because that's what happens when you entrust your health into someone who threw away their basketball career for the sole reason of not knowing and actually taking care of their body. And yes, I'm speaking on John Lucas. Sure enough, I think that's more than the case, as Lucas and Sullinger themselves... Both went on these Stalinist, Maoist-like propaganda campaigns on social media about how Solinger is having a Rocky-like physical transformation, and we see him a week and a half ago, and it's like, that's it? you got to be kidding me. So now we've got Bob Ryan here. I'd like to s- spend, not this entire chat with him, talking about Mr. Solinger. I promise we won't. In fact, no more than 20% of this. But so far, Jared has been the focal point of Celtics discussion largely because with the Celtics taking a first round pick on him making him the focal point of the offense as they had not um, the focal point but at times especially Stevens's first year they've tried at least and his rumored interest in getting close to a max contract and now his I don't want to say infamous campaign on social media but the diehard Celtics fans will remember it this this past summer and he is the story in these parts in the early parts of camp that is almost going to change. Thank God, I think I can't wait till we have these games, preseason games being played i'm I'm looking definitely looking forward to seeing uh, who we think will surprise us, who we think will not, who's disappointing us. Just something to digest. But this is what we have on us right now. And the biggest thing will be that if he does get off to a good start, which I think he will. He will be a borderline all-star guy producing that, hopefully, Boston capitalizes on that because I am positive he will not be producing at that level come February. Anyways, Bob Ryan, longtime sports writer for the Boston Globe, author of many books, including his memoirs, Scribe, My Life in Sports, still available at the usuals, your local independent bookstores, Amazon.com, and yes, as an audiobook, book, audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics, and now, available in paperback as of September 1st, our interview with Bob is brought to you by DraftKings. Your season-long fantasy football team may be going strong, but you don't have to wait until week 16 to get paid. Put your fantasy skills to the test every week this season at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. With one-week fantasy, there are no season-long commitments Got an injured player? No problem. It's like a new season every week, so you're never stuck with the same players. And get this, DraftKings is crowning a new millionaire every week this season. That means you could turn your love of football into the payday of a lifetime. Just pick your players, pile up the points, and pick up your cash. That is it. Believe me, you've never experienced football like this before. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Hurry to DraftKings.com now. Use promo code NEWENGLAND and play for free with your first deposit in this Sunday's $1 million fantasy football contest where first place takes home hundred grand. Enter New England for free entry now only at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Mr. Bob Ryan, welcome back in a Celtics beat. Thrice is nice. Hey, good to be back. So training camp is now underway mercifully. Uh, Although, in one sense, it's a bit of a grind in itself, in my opinion. Especially for the beat guys. Obviously, you were one not too long ago. You know, yada, yada, yada. We had all the great off-seasons. We're all doing what's doing what's best for the team. We're going to surprise people this year. Cliche quotes to death until the real games actually begin. But... uh, I've been saying on the show, or not really, over the summer, uh, let's be with ourselves, if there was really anything of intrigue, and I get criticized by what seems like a wide portion of our audience, that's why I didn't go there on last week's show. But as we know, there really isn't much you can get out of things on media day, the early phases of training camp. But if there was one thing of intrigue, it's like, okay, what does Jared Solinger look like? And I thought it was a bit of a... Mm-hmm. I've been... Uh...
0: I'm interested in his whole circumstance from the beginning because the guy intrigues me. He does one thing. He has a knack for rebounding. He's a good natural point rebounder. Uh, That alone will keep him employed for a long time unless he does Eventually, Lonnie Chilton himself out of the league, which for those of you who are older know that means eat yourself out of the league. Uh, well, I I hope he doesn't do that. Uh, I was hoping that he would skip a fitness religion 100%. I guess he, we we, we don't know whether he's got it or not. We'll see how he actually plays because the big thing with him to me is not what he can do It's how often and long he can do it and stay on the floor for twenty five or thirty minutes and 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 uh, bring everything to the table that he brings he has great hands and great feet he has got a low post game I'm not a narrative of three uh, I, I I hope he doesn't fall in love with it I, i'm a fear i fear already that he has i don't want him to be encouraged to to view himself as a three point shooter I want him to view himself as a low post bass kicker who occasionally can step out and hit a three and 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 uh, I don't want him to think that he's the answer to everybody's uh so-called stretch four um you know uh, circumstance anyway yeah he's an intriguing player because the cliche is he does things you can't teach and you can't teach his rebound instinct
1: yeah the thing is though let's say that he does flame flame out As a player, we'll take the worst case scenario with him. And I think that's on the table with him, especially with what I've seen. I know people are like, oh, well, you know, let's see what all the training does to his conditioning. It's not the physical appearance and yada, yada, yada. I mean, I actually think the physical appearance means a lot because if he doesn't really look the part, I highly doubt that he is the part. And as you mentioned with him... The big issue with him is staying on the floor. And it's not just for the 25 to 30 minutes. It's for more than half the season, which, if I'm correct, he really hasn't played anything more than 60% of the season outside of, I believe, two years ago in his career. He's always being KO with some some sort of injury, knock him out um, for the season. But here's the thing, in, in my opinion, if you look at it from the worst-case scenario with him, let's say he flames out. He can't stay healthy, which is almost a surly correlates with his conditioning, as I've discussed, the Celtics move on after the season or possibly even during it. Would it even seem like that big of a letdown? Like if he flames out, it's sort of like, oh, well, Boston at least has some options there as opposed to say some 15 years ago, I'm going to bring a name up that you're going to love me here. With Antoine Walker, it seemed like if he failed to realize his potential, which ended up happening, it was almost a disaster.
0: I think it's a valid point. They have depth. They have equality, they have parity, they have people uh who fill the uh, job description, uh, and, and it, it will be his loss more than the team's loss if he doesn't want to get with the program. Uh, he, he has to look in the mirror and, and decide whether he wants to be uh, an, an NBA player drawing an NBA paycheck or whether he wants to be a great player. Uh, The the parallel that I would like to offer to him, and I wish that he had sat down and someone had put them in a room and locked them in a room for two hours with Paul Silas and explained to him that he was at a very similar junction of his career after about five years. Uh, a big burly guy who banged people around and got rebounds, but wasn't a great player. And then he decided he wanted to be a great player. And he went and lost 35 pounds and he became a great player and an indispensable player and a championship player. who so wound up getting three rings, two in Boston, one in Seattle. It would not have happened if he hadn't decided he wanted to be great. Jared Selinger has not made that commitment that I can see. So you're right. They can live without, but I guess what we're saying is both of us in a long winded way, Hey, Chad, we can live without you. You can help us. But I think we have enough pieces of the puzzle here that we can live without you. Yes, I think that's what we both are in agreement with.
1: But also, Sue, one thing that I do look at it as is, can't you say that that's really been the letdown of this whole new reconstruction project that started here in 2013? We know the coach is great. We know he's been instrumental, along with some true professional players, which they actually didn't really have the last go-around when Danny was rebuilding the team. Uh, some 10 years ago now, and they stole a real nice piece, Isaiah Thomas. But can you say the one disappointment of this rebuilding process is the lack of progress in terms of developing young players like Selinger, whereas 10 years ago you saw a guy like Al Jefferson have a good rookie season and then continue to make steps after that?
0: I'm holding Sellinger accountable. I, in no way do I hold the, the coaching staff accountable for him. He ought to be better. I think we, I really want to move on with him. I'm telling you, I mean, this, we, we both agree. Okay. And I don't blame the coaches for Shulinger. Shulinger ought to be better. He, and he's got to decide if he wants to be great. Let's move on.
1: Yeah. You were, I, I completely agree with you in the sense that he has all of that natural skill that I don't want to say you can't teach, but that's stuff that you need to teach at a very, very young age. You don't start teaching things like uh, footwork and just instincts that he has, but it, flat out does come down to conditioning although i do i don't want to say it's all his fault cuz i've actually gotten on John Lucas on the show i read you know what Jared Solinger was saying what he was doing over the summer and i thought i was reading something that you a little 10-year-old boy would do when he went to, when he went away to camp like oh geez, you know i was boxing i was running a track i was like 12 hours of that nonsense you're not going to get better playing basketball doing that and that's why i've always cracked the joke like if the, the last person you would want to talk to in terms of personal health would be you know John Lucas, but I have no issues whatsoever in terms of cutting the core with Solinger, if for no other reason the fact that as I mentioned earlier and what you've also reiterated as well is they have so much depth of this position, but mixing this up, uh, I want to get away from the current aspect of the Celtics, which as we all know, is pretty much all Jared Seinger all the time now, I guess unfortunately, and this is a many part question so I'm going to confuse you tremendously, but This is the basic part. Why do Bostonians have to compare everyone or everything to what they treasure most, the hub of the universe? So what I'm getting at is here, LeBron has a great stretch, and it's sort of like, oh, how does he stack up with Larry Bird? And then Danny Ainge makes a point and comment about Steph Curry a few months ago, and we see him as like this great insult to the greatness of Larry Bird.
0: Well, that's what sports fans do. And that's what we all do. It's, it's part of the fun of being a sports fan. Uh, it's, it's comparisons, historical comparisons, current comparisons. That's just what you do. It's all harmless fun. Doesn't, it doesn't hurt anything. Uh, it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change the
1: It's everything it is doesn't, always like Larry. Like, how does this What would Larry Bird do? Is he better than Larry Bird at
0: this point? Well, time? because Larry is just the Celtics are blessed to have guys who are standards of excellence for all eternity, okay? They have the greatest winner in the history of American team sport uh, as one of their alumni, William F. Russell. They have the best forward who ever lived, Larry Bird. They have John Havlicek, the greatest all-two position player that the game has ever known, John Havlicek. They are the standards of excellence for everybody that plays this game. So they're ha- And they happen to be Boston Celtics. And and, and, and in all three cases, that's the only team you ever played for. So that's why. There's no, you know, I don't
1: know. I don't know what we're getting at here. I'm sorry. I really don't. Okay. Then I would, you got me. Very few of the guests have done that. You got me. But then I guess for fun, if you are going to have for fun for sports things, I do have tremendous respect, as we all do, for your (laughs) uh, historical opinions. If you were going to go there, we're going to discuss these comparisons. Danny Ainge did claim that Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time. And by the
0: way, I see. I would. I think that that's a very logical premise because you tell me who else shoots from that distance, gets off the shots, creates his own shot. Unlike Ray Allen, creates his own shot any time he wants from ludicrous distances, sideways, right, left, falling down. He is astonishing, and I think that a claim can be made that he is the greatest shooter the game has yet produced.
1: I actually won't argue with that. I'm actually one to believe, from well, at least from what I've seen, I, I go back to what, for you, I'm 25 years. But for you, 25 years is about 25 minutes. But regarding, too, with, with Bird, would he, is he really even, like, one of the best – I don't know if this sounds terrible that I said it like that. But I think I read it – was it in Jackie Mack's book? Where he where he claimed, or was it with your book? Where he claimed he got the hand injury at Indiana State, and had he not banged up his hand some, somehow, he would have been Larry, like ten times the
0: Larry the Bird played his entire NBA career with an impaired right index finger, a a, a, a hopelessly messed up, botched operation on a finger broken in a softball game in the spring of his senior year at Indiana State he is not; he never was the shooter in, in the NBA that he was in college and, and then uh, in, in the famous Jordan 63 point game he dislocated his pinky uh, when he got caught in the jersey at some point point. and then that meant that now that finger was messed up for the rest of his career so from that point on 40% of his shooting hand was impaired and you saw what you saw and one of the great shooters of all time. Imagine what it would have been like if he didn't have two impaired digits, and specifically the right index finger, the most important finger on your shooting hand is your index finger off of which the ball rolls. Uh, Absolutely. So everything he accomplished, making himself the greatest forward of all time, one of the great offensive players of all time, he accomplished in the NBA while impaired. So that's the reality of that situation.
1: That's actually the first time I've heard the story about Bird banging up his pinky in the Jordan 63 game, obviously the ones Well,
0: I guess you didn't read. I guess you didn't read my book or i um, what can I tell you? <laughs> I mean, this is not, this is not secret inner knowledge being dispensed 25 years after the fact. this is, this has always been known. And, and, uh, and, and, That's that. He got hurt in the 63-point game. He dislocated his pinky, and from that point on, which meant from 1986-87 through this retirement year of 92-93, he played with not only a damaged right index finger, but a damaged right pinky. This is the fact.
1: And then, of course, he had that that hand injury um, back in 85, the infamous story that Dan Shaughnessy broke with the uh, famous odometer fixer, which is just...
0: The Chelsea fight, yes, yeah, the, regrettable, is, the, most, the most regrettable incident of his career, no question.
1: Yes, that's definitely been the red ink when discussing Larry. It's funny, too, one of the things to think about, the how that occurred now in the age of Internet 2.0 as opposed to, say, 1985, when it got a footnote in a Dan Shaughnessy column in the Boston Globe. Anyways, got to break real quick. Sneak in some words from our sponsors. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. And most importantly, Bob Ryan isn't going anywhere, so hopefully you don't go anywhere. Back after this. This is Larry H. Russell back here again, and let me tell you a little something about me. I'm always reading a book or three. Be it a revolutionary breakthrough on neuroscience, such as Daniel Kamen's Thinking Fast and Slow, or even a philosophical masterpiece like Plato's Republic, I'm always doing whatever means to soak up as much knowledge as I can about the world we live in. And we can't do that without literature. But not everyone finds it convenient to carry around all six volumes of the history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire with them. But there's a solution. My good friends over at Audible. Audible is a leading provider of audiobooks with over 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. You don't need to be all alone creating that impossible private time with our everyday lives of chaos to do some reading and relaxing. Audiobooks are great to listen to wherever, be it in the gym, doing chores at work or around the house, driving, riding, shopping, whatever. Audiobooks are the remedy for you. And Celtics Beat and Audible are teaming up to offer you your first audiobook for free. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Thanks for sticking with us here on Celtics Beat. Bob Ryan, author of Scribe, My Life in Sports, paperback available as of September 1st. I'll shift back to discussing these 2016 Boston Celtics sons. Jared Sullinger, of course, kind of want to get your pulse here, Bob, on how you look at things going into this season. I'll start off by asking a pretty lame and general question to gauge your feelings heading into this season or this preseason, for that matter. One of my concerns regarding this team would be internal issues developing, to sum it up. I'm just really concerned with all these pieces. It will be very tough to manage all these personalities here. And not only that, the team is pretty much made of a lot of new faces. So these guys aren't all that familiar with each other, we think, on and off the court. However, maybe a little foreign field trip could be just what the doctor ordered allow the two thousand eight team, although this year's team does not share nearly the same aspirations as that team did some uh, good goodness eight years ago. Now, anyways, here's my lame little question. Is this getaway a good for this group or just a travel nuisance? No. Um, the coach
0: the coaches don't like it in one sense, you know, that disrupts the routine. But Doc is a big advocate of it, and and I know advice, uh Brad that it, it's a very beneficial thing. Uh, it it it. it, 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 it benefits outweigh any of the logistical problems, I think. I'm all for it, yes. It was instrumental with that team, and that team was different because they had brought together the the, the new guys, the three, you know, the two new guys, and one of them, uh, very important uh, in personality, and Garnett, people had to get used to him, and uh, it was very important. Then the doc had the Ubuntu thing going, and and, and they and they benefited from it. We will see whether this team will be, derive a, a benefit, but I don't think it's going to, at the worst, it's going to neutral and uh, i think it's a good year to do it uh, but it's a different circumstance and as you say uh it is not going to produce an nba champion but what we hope it produces is a a, a team that wins uh somewhere in the mid to the high 40s uh, uh, which would be my best hope for them and and it has a you know a, a successful season
1: yeah as a fan i'd certainly take that and sign up for that and run i would even take a them replicating last year's win total. I just don't want to see them taking a step back because I think that there'd be some negativity that would build upon, like sort of like with Patina when when they went ninety eight, they had a really good year, but then ninety nine that strike year, they had all those guys come back out of shape and that, that thing went south pretty quickly. I wouldn't want to see that type of negativity. But I've had a lot of these a lot of guests on. I love, people have obviously great respect in basketball opinion wise. And my biggest fear of this season is I just think that's almost just. There are too many parts, and there really isn't one or two guys or three guys, not just, you know, go-to guys, but guys with defined roles. It's really 15, actually even 16 guys technically, 16 guys fighting for, what, eight spots of relevant playing time. Everyone I've had on has said, no, this is good. It creates competition on a young team. You want that because you don't want to just hand young players playing time, sort of like what the Wizards did with Andre Blatch and some of those other stiffs they burned out a good six, seven years ago. Is that good, or could that possibly lead to chemistry issues once this
0: team starts losing games? This is far from the ideal circumstance. The ideal circumstance once and forever will be an eight-man rotation. Which includes at least one of those three guys coming off the bench, a major multi-positional player. And then low players, uh, for maybe nine, 10, and 11 and 12 to, you know, practice, uh, and, in a dire emergency. That's the best way. Then everyone knows who's who, who's what, no, no confusion. This is a flip side and I uh, worry about it greatly. This is a team which I think very possibly has no useless players, but too many equal players. It's going to be uh, the worst kind of team to coach, the hardest kind of team to coach. I do not envy Brad Stevens one bit, trying to uh, – he would need a three-month training camp to figure everything out with these guys. Uh, they have a lot of people. Everybody can play. I, I think for the most part, they have 16 NBA players, and not every team has that. You don't need 16 NBA players. That's the problem. You only need eight. Or nine you only need sixteen, and yes, it is a problem. It's going to be very difficult because there are going to be uh, playing time issues It's going to be extremely difficult to keep everybody happy uh, uh, I worry about it. no question uh in in the best case scenario, this is a team with great depth and and with a lot of different people that can get do things, and then that's all to the good in the worst case scenario you got a bunch of unhappy people, everybody figuring that they should be playing 40 minutes or 35 minutes. And and it's not going to happen. It can't happen. So uh, I I think this is going to be a real test of Brad Stevens uh, coaching uh, acumen and uh, salesmanship uh, and and a test of the player's professionalism. We'll find out who wants to win and, and who wants to just get paid.
1: This is that you're actually the very first guest I've had on since I've been starting to ask that question pretty much since the beginning of July or second week of July when they really started constructing this roster. And every single one I've had on, I've, we all have you know great respect for, but they've all said this is great. And I'm sort of reiterating those fears, and I point to really a historical example, and that historical example being last year in November and December when I thought they were in a sim- similar predicament. I mean, they had about 12 to 13 guys on their roster that, like you said, were pretty much all NBA guys. Now it's 16 guys on the roster that are pretty much all players that warrant playing time in one way or another. I mean, it might not be 35, 40 minutes, but there are still guys that warrant 15 to 20 minutes on any team, be it championship contenders. And I've just been very fearful of the fact that this team is going to lose some games like every NBA team. And when they do lose some games, like let's say lose four out of six, have a stretch. And I don't think that's any real stretch to believe something like that will happen at some point over the course of the season. I think it's inevitable where... You'll have guys that'll say something like, well, geez, I wasn't in the game. Talk to the coach or talk to, you know, so-and-so who played. I, I can't speak to you on that. You know, and, and once you have that and that sort of gets out, I just think that there's a poor snowball effect. That's my biggest fear of season.
0: the season. Um, I hate to frame it this way, but first of all, we, we can assume someone's going to get hurt. Uh, and it'll be a bad thing for the person that's hurt, but it won't be the worst thing for the group uh as it as it reduces uh a, a one of the options. Brad Stevens is going to have multiple options, almost too many. Uh some of this will work itself out. You can be sure of that. But uh I, I but only to a degree. And and I I, I am uh, reiterate that I, I find this thing is going to be a very challenging and difficult year and a very difficult team to coach. And uh, uh yet yeah, yeah there's a lot of, a lot of guys here who would be wonderful assets on very good teams. Uh, But collectively, how good can they be is what we're going to find out. And collectively, how much of a team is it going to be when when the reality sets in with some people that they're not going to play as much as they thought they were?
1: Yeah, I think that that is a tremendous issue. You have not only that, and you have also all those guys on the front court that are all in contract years. David Lee, contract year. Amir Johnson, essentially contract year. He's a non-guaranteed deal as is Jonas Jarepko. You have Jared Sollinger essentially paying for his his biggest contract. So when you have all these guys, uh, not all of them, but a good chunk of those guys not getting the playing time that they, they believe they should get and that they want because they obviously want to perform so they can put numbers on the board and obviously impress other teams, that I think is going to be an issue. And one thing that I've really sort of harped on, about this offseason, and I don't really want to sound like Mr. Negative because I do think the team will have a decent year. It just won't be as, as as good as some people believe. I think they'll replicate last year's win total. But I also am concerned about you know, worst-case scenarios, which is me and you in discuss. But one thing that I'm you know slightly upset about this, this offseason, I know that Superstar X, Superstar Y, Superstar Z were not available via trade. I appreciate the team being patient. But don't you think that... The organization to an extent sort of owes Brad Stevens like just a more manageable roster rather than just constantly throwing mud against the wall and say, Here, you figure it out. Because I think that's just stressful in itself. I, I would like to see him focus more on coaching rather than focus on coaching and focusing on managing egos. Well,
0: what do you want? To, you know, I don't know what you want. You know, what do we want Danny to do? We don't want him to, to consciously take lesser players than. You know, it's like it's like telling a college coach, you know, don't recruit the best player you can find, uh, kind of thing. I mean, he's trying to give them options. I mean, that's the second. If you don't have a superstar, trying to give them options. But I mean, there's a limit. You know, I mean, you don't need 16 of them. That's all I'm saying. Uh, and and you mentioned two guys that, for me, they got they got to play. Johnson gives them a dimension they did not have, and and Lee is a walk in 18 and 10 if he gets to play and and uh and, and he, as you point out right, properly, he's going to be not that you ever have to worry ever about David Lee hustling or not playing hard, but still an extra little layer of incentive is going to be there for him at this age of uh, his age to uh prove uh, his viability for one more multi-year contract somewhere. And um uh, I think he's got to play, and I think Johnson has to play, so that said, it's going to be cutthroat competition to see who else is going to join him in the front court. Another guy we haven't mentioned the name who I always love and I think he enhances an offense if they use him right, and 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 uh, I'm, I, I'm anxious to see what he's like in year three is Olinick. I'm not count me among. The, I'm, a, I'm a member. I'm a paid up member of the Kelly and Fan Club, and uh, I love the way he can pass, and I just want that as, asset to be utilized a little more than it has been. Yeah, that's the thing
1: they have. If all. If only all the players they have could be, like, one player. Like, they just take all the little things that they could all do. They could be one player, but each player sort of brings a different dimension. But it's going to be, I think, tremendously stressful for Brad Stevens to figure out what formula is going to work. And I know it just almost sounds like you you could mention. It almost
0: sounds idiotic of me. Well, Brad, don't worry about – well, number one, Brad doesn't stress. That's one reason why he's going to be a successful coach uh, at both levels as long as he wants um, he doesn't stress. He's just too level-headed. He won't, he will never get an ulcer. And, uh, that's fine. Uh, no, not that people talk about ulcers anymore. But, um, uh, Brad doesn't stress. But you're right. It's a, this, it's, it, it's, a, I, I told you, I think it's going to be a difficult team to coach. I don't envy him at all, but I do think he can handle it. But it's not going to be easy. He's going to earn his money. There is no question. And he's going to have to, uh, uh follow one of Chuck Daly's most important Admonitions, one of the most important things that a coach uh, has to understand. And the great Chuck Daly said, one of the best assets the coach can have is bad hearing. And we all know what he meant.
1: So I'm going to have to basically now go to the most general part of all. We've been talking really about the doomsday scenarios I think there's a good chance that it could play out. I do, at the very least, believe it's what will happen at least early on in the season when it takes a little time to figure out, well, you know, who should be playing. Really, most general question of all. gut feeling, or of course, using your, you know, mind as well. Where do you feel this team will finish up come May, or maybe even April? I
0: absolutely, do not know. I was thinking about this today. What do we know about the East? Here's what we know about the East. The unquestioned favorite is the same favorite. The next team up is either going to be Chicago, which uh, I and mean, when once again, as become their norm, we have no idea what they're going to get from 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 Rose. But I still like Chicago. Miami is clearly improved and and you can what they're a playoff mortal lock. they're a they're a home court advantage team. There's three. Then we draw the line. The Celtics, are they any better than Toronto? Are they any better than Washington? Are they any better than Atlanta? Are they any better than uh Charlotte? Uh, are they any better than, and, and the answer those four is, I don't know. I think they're in the same boat as those teams. Then, there's no one on earth, starting with the coach and the and the $12 million year president, has any idea how good this new conglomeration of Knicks is going to be. It might be better than you think. Uh, there, I, I can't possibly tell you. The potential is there to win 45 to 48 games. But that same is true for a lot of teams in the East. The East is not in anywhere near as good as the West yet, but it's creeping upward, and it is getting better. And there's a lot of teams in the same boat. And, and, and I think three safe playoff teams, and that's it. And I told you who they were. And, that's, and There's three safe playoff teams at Cleveland, Chicago, and Miami. And after that, for the other five There's a
1: a, a, a major battle going on. Yeah, see, I would streak down Beacon Street completely naked if the team won 45 to 48 games because I am petrified and legitimately petrified if this team does creep back to, say, 37-38 wins. There are some issues internally with chemistry issues. Some of these young players plateau or even regress for that matter and you now go from year three to year four, as an organization, you really can't sell the whole, well, we have all these draft picks things. Well, I guess you can, but I think as much as they have going for them in terms of, I mean, from the concrete standpoint, with all these quote-unquote, I hate using this word, but it's the word we have to use, assets, poker chips, what do you call it with with the draft picks. But I think one of the the things they gained last year that they really hadn't, they, they couldn't, 10 years ago was, to an extent, there was a good winning culture in place. And I think that has come across from last year. I think that's eradicated if this team slips back out of the postseason into the lottery. And I know that people are going to be saying, well, this team needs a lottery pick, yada, yada, yada. I still think that just maintaining or building upon, hopefully, what they had last year is far supersedes at draft choices whatsoever. And I would be tremendously concerned for the organization and maybe the future of some of the people they have in the organization. If the team slips back into the lottery.
0: Well, you're thinking too much and I'm only worried about 2014, 15, 15, 16, excuse me. And really, I mean, you're thinking a lot. You're worried. All right, I'm not, I'm not focusing on that. I'm focusing on, I want to see, I'm not projecting or worrying about the ramifications of, 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 Things go south this year. Until it does, I'm not worrying about it. I'm just not, and, and I'm not denying what you said It has great validity. That's fine, but I, I, it's just not where I am. I, I I can't expend that kind of energy. I'm not worried about it. I'm just looking forward to see them play basketball. I'm very serious. I'm not. I'm not putting you down. I'm just. You're right, but I'm. I'm just choosing not to even worry about it. That's not. You know, I can't do anything about it. You know, I learned that a long time ago. You can't. I can't do anything about it. You know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Uh, and we're not going to, you can't do anything about it either. But the potential is there. I think we we agree. There are a lot of players we like. We mentioned one of the most lovable players in the whole team, uh, and that's Jay Crowder. I love Jay Crowder. And and I'm looking forward to seeing what Thomas is going to bring, and, and, and hopefully that Thomas is going to accept his role and, and understand how valuable he is coming off the bench. Uh, but we're not sure that that's going to happen. Anyway, I want to see it all materialized, Larry, and, uh, and um, I'm not worried about 2016 17. Believe me, I'll start worrying about things when, when the time comes.
1: I don't think there's any better way to conclude the interview than with a uh, psychiatric session on your behalf. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah,
0: you're, you're really, you're just uh, stressing, struggling of stress. God. Chill out. Enjoy. Look forward to the good. You know, let's wait till something bad happens. I'm I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to burden myself
1: with that. I'm preparing myself for all possible possibilities and
0: and reasonable possibilities.
1: Reasonable possibility. I mean, I just
0: think. All right. All right. Well. Okay. But but, I mean, meanwhile, let me just state uh, and conclude for me on a positive note that I really am curious, naturally, and 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 uh, excited. About, about seeing how it does materialize, because there are a lot of very useful components on this team, and, and it's going to be a challenge to put them together in the right way, but, and, and, uh, and, and I'm, I, we may have the right guy to do it. One thing we really have to stress, it, it's, the rest of the league is totally impressed with Brad Stevens. It was a great hire, and, and uh, I think they're in fine hands.
1: No, that's, there's no question about it. There's intrigue to this season as opposed to last Mm -hmm. season where it was just sort of like, geez, and it actually ended up working out last year, but there could be intrigue into a certain season and it doesn't work out, i.e. the 2015 Boston Red Sox, and there could be non-intrigue into a season and to an extent it does Mm -hmm. work out. So, no, there's no question about them. Actually, I am definitely looking forward to the opener. Bob Ryan, as we said, Scribe, still available at your local bookstores, Amazon.com, Audiobook as well. Paperback, September 1st. Grab it for yourself. Mr. Ryan, thank you so much for stopping by Celtics Speed once again. All right.
0: Good sparring.
1: Hey, it was a pleasure, even though I have to admit, I definitely did get put in my place a few times, and deservedly so. But, hey, my ego, vindicated, I felt, since the beginning of July. I've had tremendous concern over how this roster was constructed. And look, as Bob pointed out, and what he pointed out is – I'm sure what many of our listeners were muttering to themselves at the time, uh, LHR, what do you want Ainge to do? Not take these players, even if he has handed them, on a silver platter, as he was with a few of these pieces. But you know what? In regards to that question, actually, yes. In some In some cases, yes. Going back to what I said at the beginning of the show, that of which is unnecessary shall always or should always be discarded. Just because there are these opportunities to improve a team On paper, doesn't mean benefits can always be reaped from it. I've talked about it all summer on prior shows. Just check out our archives by entering Celtic Speed into iTunes, Stitcher, or CLNSRadio.com. I've discussed it. When you have all these... Players, none of them can offer in the allotted playing time. I like the signing of Amir Johnson. I know fans were disappointed in the signing at the time because many were still hanging on the edge of their seats. Beat on draft night with a team talking about trading up. Then on to free agency with the possibility of adding a long-term piece. Hanging on the edge of their seats with fireworks. But I like the signing of Amir Johnson, giving the team a dimension it hasn't had in many years. And I'm all for competition throughout the roster. But at some point, you do have to identify your guys before training camps. You do, especially when you want to be a good team, which I would say the Celtics want to be a good team this year. I guess that's kind of the case here. Well, I don't know about Philadelphia. But anyways, it would not have hurt to pretty much shut it down after the Amir Johnson signing and call it offseason. I really don't think. David Lee, I'm pretty surprised Bob thinks he can come in here and give this team 18-10. and 10. Not that numbers like that are entirely the case because it comes to what players contribute, but first off, how is he going to get the playing time to put up 18 and 10 when you have Jarepko, him, Johnson, Sullinger, Zeller, Olynyk all along the front line? I think Lee, at best, replaces Sullinger, relegates Sullinger to the end of the bench, and gives you a more polished version of what Jared can bring you. You know, with less mistakes, he's got the touch around the basket, range, the ability to grab some boards, is a great passer for a big man. You know, yeah, doesn't play defense, but. Then that makes a guy like Solinger ticked, and you lose every last bit of value that Jared Solinger has, and that's it. So that's why those fears and those concerns have been with me, not just as an observer, but as a fan who with the Celtics. And hey, I guess uh, Bob Ryan, the first man, the first guest we've had on on my side all summer into the fall here, but. I I am a fan of the Boston Celtics. I'm someone who wants to see the Celtics win. I have no qualms admitting that. Hey, I'm a little past the stage of my life where I toss and turn over every butchered fourth quarter with endless strings of Paul Pierce isolation plays. But I still have emotional attachments to the outcome of Celtics games. And I know many media members like to parade themselves as knights in shining armor who can no longer have any rooting interests. Even though they do. Because when they're in the media, it, that little fan rooting interest more so morphs into who's right and who wrongs them. But I, I want to see the Celtics win. And in this case, I want to see them keep moving forward in the right direction as an organization So they can truly, uh, selfish reasons, they can amuse me. I need to be amused. I mean, with wins and hopefully lots of wins and eventually one day lots of championships. So I did express my concerns of this coming season. I do look at these doomsday scenarios of potential chemistry issues on the team and credit to Dr. Bob there for maybe easing me, playing the role of psychiatrist. But do I think they will play out? Personally, it's probably 60-40. That's a gutless prediction. I think I'm with most... This team is probably going to win in and around 39 to 43 games, get into the playoffs as a seven or eight C, but with a possibility of things maybe even getting out of control. Those are my fears. If you share them, guess what? I agree with you. And if you don't, well, I've never been one to tell people how to live their lives, except that you should be clean shaven, presentable and using Internet companies like Harry's dot com. You should be eating low carb. You should be basing your diet around humanely raised animals into your convenience, providing by the network of small family ranches at American Farmers com. You must do this. But other than that, I'd never tell you how to react as a fan of this team, let alone live your life. Never. And did I just mention AmericanFarmersNetwork.com? And is it Steak and Egg Sunday? Why, yes, it is. It is drawing near. The kitchen beckons. It's almost time. But now, around the NBA in five, it's here. Being presented by, as always, uh, the fatty, juicy, mouth-watering steaks at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. A consumer should know where their food comes from and the standards that should be adhered to. And American Farmers Network meats are produced by the network of small family farmers who are committed to the most natural and compassionate approach to ranching. Their production standards go above and beyond even USDA regulations. And all of their certified organic beef is 100% grass-fed from poultry to pork. And, of course, beef. AFN's family ranchers are committed to providing you and your family with the healthiest, most nutritious meat so you can live the healthy lifestyle in which you have a right to. What are you waiting for? Log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com and eat and live healthy today. Tom Thibodeau, he wants to be healthy. In an interview with NBA.com, unemployed for the first time since 1991. Oddly enough, that was the last time his mentor and the guy he really broke in the league with, Pat Riley, that was the last time he was unemployed and he took that year off to work for NBC. But no job in the NBA for Tom Thibodeau. Says he's taking a sabbatical. His words, not mine. Look, to can do what he wants. Doesn't need me to tell him that. But I wonder how this will play out for him. Last big-name coach in any sport. Off the top of my head to do this. Bill Cowher grabbed a TV deal with the NFL and CBS. Never really gave it up. And then you can even say the same about John Gruden. He's another one. Will Thibodeau get cozy with life out of the daily grind of travel, game tape, three in the morning, managing way too many other people's lives and not having a family of his own? Or, or can he just not help himself? Is he addicted? Is he caught up in not just the lifestyle, but the quest to succeed and the thirst for that success? Sometimes that consumes anyone. We've all had aspects of our lives where we obsess ourselves. I'd like to think we'll see a repeat of what Pat Riley did, where he took that 91 season off after the Lakers and the Knicks offered him everything but the George Washington Bridge, and boom, he was back. Thibodeau, he'll be able to pick his spots after a year, but he has to be careful. One could take a year off, maybe two, executives, fans, management. Everyone has short memories, and it's easy to lose that luster the longer one sits out. But we'll see. I didn't say anything of value there. But I do think one year, little neuro and uh, hormone reset for a year and lock something up, big market, that Laker position, almost surely will become open after the season. And they'll have plenty of money to go at it with him. So that's my early take on that situation. But next, get to his former player. Derek Rose out God knows how long with God knows what kind of injury. Actually, more accurate. Timetable for return still is yet to be set, but a fracture in his face after sustaining a teammate's elbow in a practice this past week. I do not know why we use this to chastise Derek Rose's work ethic or commitment to his craft. There are far and almost an endless array of instances we can do that with. But I don't think we need to use this, in this case, a freak injury, one that would happen to anyone to defecate on the second half of Derrick Rose's career. That was not the type of injury where he hurt one of his joints without any contact. This was a contact injury. Look, if this happened to Lou Garrett or Cal Ripken that ended their streaks, we'd all be storming the homes of whoever committed these acts of assault. But with Rose, we blame the victim. Pure idiocy. Look, Derrick Rose has given all of his detractors, or anyone for that matter, plenty of ammo to question Question his character and makeup, but for the love of God, this is not one of them. I'm, I'm sure he'll see plenty of reasons in the later months, but we can leave this one for what it is. More injuries. Iman Shumpert, the defensive stopper on the wings for the Cavs. Real big pickup for them last year in that trade, helping to turn around their season with Mozgov, him Wells, now Shumpert for Cleveland. He'll be out three months, possibly until after the new year. I'm just going to call it a wrist injury. Read about it. Not that advanced, and I won't pretend to be, but goodness, these injuries, they've begun. Pretty important police to Cleveland, particularly in the playoffs last year as they dealt with a cascade of injuries with Irving Love and others, and it was the guys like Shumpert and Delvadova, and a LeBron James guy as well, but the role players had their moments in key spots, particularly Shumpert, who Jesus, you know, not to go all Patriots, Did his job, knocked down the occasional three-pointer, usually around a 40% guy, and provided toughness and tenacity, and he yes, the ability to limit production from the opposition. Now with Cleveland, I know everyone is going to just get on them. They're cursed, etc. Easy. They're going to sleepwalk through the Eastern Conference, and likely even in the playoffs. I mean, they made it to the finals with a skeleton roster last year, for goodness sakes. Stating the obvious once again, but as long as these bodies are there in June, for whomever survives the Western Conference gauntlet, then and only then... Can we start dissecting who's in and who's out for Cleveland? Because as much as we all hate to admit it, November, December, January, February, March, April, that's all trivial to Cleveland. LeBron James will be back in the finals per usual. But as we saw last year, he's going to need the cavalry, be it from the horses like Love and Erging, as well as the infantry guys like Delavado and Shumpert for them to take down anyone out West. Which, guess what? I think they will. I think mm-hmm. it is their year. Okay, that is an absolute... Perfect way to wrap up this show. Booking a Cleveland championship. Well, not booking it. That is just, that'll be my prediction. Uh, keep an eye, by the way, on steelnessradio.com. they will have plenty of preseason NBA and Boston Celtics coverage. Plenty of predictions that you can hold our staff accountable to. But that's going to do it for around the NBA in five and... This week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, Astervex and Steph LeGrateau. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show. And Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. Love to thank our guests, as always, Bob Ryan. Thank you for stopping by once again. As well as our sponsors, Linda, Audible, DraftKings, Harry's, and American Farmers Network for making this all possible. For our staff writer Eddie Santiago, program director Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtic Speed. I am Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtic Speed, heard exclusively on CLNS Radio.